This is The Space Shot, episode 48 for July 1st, 2017. Cassini Huygens. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. First off, yesterday, after I had recorded the episode, of course, President Trump signed an executive order that reestablished the National Space Council. I'm going to have a podcast that looks at the specifics of the council and what it's done historically in the coming month, but here's a quick rundown of my thoughts on what the council could accomplish in the coming years. Vice President Pence will head up this council, as have other vice presidents. The council was last active during the George H.W. Bush administration, but fell out of use in 1993. How effective the council is at driving policy change will be shown in the coming months. My hope is that the interests of old and new space companies are equally represented. Prioritizing certain space programs to benefit a particular state or special interest group, even if those programs aren't economically sound, is one of the many ways that the Council could end up harming the American spaceflight community. Conversely, pursuing options that allow private sector companies like Blue Origin and SpaceX to continue disrupting the launch market would help drive innovation on the final frontier which would ultimately lower the cost of access to space for both commercial and government parties. Second news item for today, SpaceX is scheduled to launch an expendable version of its Falcon 9 rocket tomorrow from Kennedy Space Center. The expendable version of the Falcon 9 doesn't have landing legs or the sexy new titanium grid fins and will expend all of its fuel during the launch, so there won't be a recovery for the booster tomorrow, but the launch is still cool to watch. Now for this day in space history. On this day in 2004, the Cassini-Huygens mission performed its Saturn Orbit Insertion Burn, or SOI. This day marked the beginning of more than 13 years of continuous operations in the Saturnian system. Online, you may see that Cassini arrived on either June 30th or July 1st, depending on the source, and that's due to its arrival late in the evening. JPL, or the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, is located in California. So when Cassini arrived at Saturn at 9.12pm Pacific Time, it was June 30th. For UTC, or Coordinated Universal Time, it was already July 1st. Anyways, back to the mission. Cassini was launched on October 15th, 1997, on a Titan 4B rocket with the venerable Centaur upper stage. At launch, the Cassini orbiter and Huygens probe weighed a combined 13,298 pounds, with nearly 8,000 pounds of that amount being fuel. The orbiter is 22 feet high by 13.1 feet wide and has power generated by radioisotope thermoelectric generators. These RTGs power the communications for the orbiter as well as the dozen or so science instruments that are on board. After its launch from Earth, Cassini performed numerous gravity assist maneuvers, twice at Venus, once at Earth, and one finally at Jupiter. Cassini arrived at Saturn after a six-year, 261-day cruise and started investigating the planet and its moons. Cassini's prime mission started in 2004 and went until 2008, with a mission extension from 2008 until 2010, which was called the Equinox mission. There was also a final mission extension, the Solstice mission, which has lasted from 2010 and will end this September. Cassini's grand journey is coming to an end after nearly 13 years in orbit around Saturn. The amount of scientific data that has been gathered over the life of the orbiter and the brief life of the Huygens lander is staggering. 
The JPL Cassini mission webpage has lists of the top 10 science highlights for each mission year. There's way too much to go over in one podcast episode here, so I'm picking two of my favorites. I'll link to the rest in the show notes. The detection of a global ocean beneath Enceladus's icy crust is something I find incredibly fascinating. After studying the moon's librations, which is kind of like an oscillation or wobbling motion, combined with measurements of a new modeling of its gravity field, there's now confirmation of the existence of a global ocean beneath its icy crust. The undersea ocean combined with geothermal vents means that that ocean is an incredibly tempting target for future missions. In addition to Enceladus, there's also Titan. The discovery of liquid methane lakes and rivers on the surface of Titan is mind-bending to think about. The environment on Titan allows for methane, which is a gas here on Earth, to flow as a liquid on those alien shores. The Huygens probe made the very first landing on a moon in the outer solar system when it touched down on January 14, 2005. The lander provided views of an alien vista that was striking in how similar it is to Earth in appearance, yet so strange upon further study. Over 13 years, Cassini has sent back over 500 gigabytes of data to scientists. The Deep Space Network here on Earth is a network of dishes that track the various missions operating in our solar system, and this network has allowed Cassini to send back all of its data. After years of mission extensions, thanks to the incredible longevity of this spacecraft, its journey is finally coming to an end. The grand finale phase of its mission has taken Cassini closer to Saturn than any other spacecraft before, and on September 15, 2017, the mission will finally come to an end as Cassini dives into the spectacular clouds above Saturn. Tomorrow, a Falcon launches, and a gamma ray bursts. Thank you for listening to the show. Producing a daily podcast takes a lot of time, and I'd love if you could take just a minute to leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts and let me know what you think. If you're so inclined, you can ask me questions and chat on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix pretty much everywhere. Subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone you know that loves history, space, or pop culture. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.